We want to welcome everyone here tonight. Uh, if you're a visitor, you're especially welcome. And thank you for coming to be with us on Wednesday night. This is a very busy country. Everybody's busy. <laughs> but we make time for our God. Amen. Amen. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Pastor Ali, it's good to see you tonight. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to see him or not, but it's so good to see you. Tonight, I want to speak on obedience. Obedience. That's the blessedness of obedience. Uh, this is so important to God. So, so important to God. Now, the important thing about this is if you don't believe him, you won't act. Or you won't obey. No matter what God is saying to you. If you don't believe, you, will be, you won't do anything about it. Obedience is simply doing what God says to do. That's all there is to it. If you believe in God, you will act. And if you really believe, you will act immediately. And you, we need to understand this is so important. Incomplete obedience is full disobedience in the mind of God. Incomplete disobedience, I mean incomplete obedience, is full disobedience before God. Sometimes incomplete obedience angers Him. More than not doing it at all. So we need to understand. That's what it means to be diligent in your obedience. And I can show you, show you scriptures. When you do something halfway and don't go all the way with God, that's never accepted. Even with sacrifice. You bring an animal to God and it's not complete the way God wants it. You're making the sacrifice but it's totally unacceptable and you get his attention. It's better if you just don't do anything than to go halfway and don't complete it with God. But when you obey God fully and you do it immediately, you get the result. When God says something and you say, well, at your word. Remember Peter in the boat? He said, look, everything you're telling me to do right now for fishing doesn't make sense. I mean, I remember that. But at your word, we will obey. And he did it in obedience, not fully understanding it. Didn't make sense to him, but he did it. And instantly they were blessed. Jesus looked at the man. I believe this is Mark chapter 3 verse 5. Jesus looked at the man who had a withered hand. And said to the man, stretch out your hand. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, son, uh, I am the son of God. And I'm healing you now. So I'm going to tell you something. And I want you to do exactly what I want you to do. He didn't do all of that. He looked at the man and said, stretch out your hand. And the Bible said, he, and he immediately, he stretched it out. And the hand was restored, whole as the other. When, when he obeyed. God will always meet you at your point of obedience. It never fails. 
When I pray with people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I don't know how, but God opened my eyes to this. That when you step out of the boat and you decide to walk on water, instantly it becomes solid. But if you test it to see if you hold your weight, you stay in the boat. You never come of it. But when Peter listened to the Lord and his immediate obedience come and he stepped out, it was solid waiting for him. No split second. When I pray with people to receive the Holy Spirit, I tell them, this is what God told me. Didn't learn it from anybody. I got it from God. And I tell them, when you hear me say the first word in tongue, don't hesitate. Because the Bible says, everyone that puts his hand on the plow and looks back or hesitates, you're not fit for the kingdom. You don't need kingdom business. God will not do any business with you because you are hesitating and because that's coming from unbelief. And I tell them, once you hear me say the first word, now I've given them the word of God. And I tell them, once you hear me say the first word in tongues, you join me immediately. Don't ask me what should I say. That's unbelief. Just join me and begin to speak. And it, it works every time. I don't care if it's a hundred people, they all receive. And I usually go back to watch the video, and you can see those that are not believing. Uh, while the others are praying in tongues and really going after it, you see them with one eyes closed, and they're looking to see what's going on with the others. And I say, that's as you see, unbelieving believer. But God loves it when you listen to him and do exactly what he tells you to do, even though it doesn't make sense. In your mind. Because his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He doesn't go the path that we want to go. Because he has a higher path. He is God. So we need to listen to him. And do exactly what he tells us to do. Especially when it doesn't make sense. When you know that God's telling you to do something. Even though your flesh is telling you. If I do this I'm going to lose something. Don't listen to your flesh. Act on it and God will meet you right there. Never fails. I've never had anybody start speaking in tongues. And usually those of them that came wait for me to be quiet so that they can get into this business of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can tell from their eyes. It happened here when those, those, that church came in here for baptism. After I spoke to them, I watched a young man. I can always tell. You can see them rocking, and they can't wait for you to be quiet. Let's go ahead and do this thing, sir. I got you now. And as soon as you tell them, and usually they receive a strong baptism. And guess who is going to be the leader among those? Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. When God baptizes them in that level of faith, he stays with them. And God works with them. But those who hesitate, they begin to struggle. And they wonder why they're struggling. So the best thing is just immediate obedience. No question. God said it, and I'm going to act on it. And if you step out of the boat, the water will hold your weight. And that's just something to think about. But it covers every area of life. Every area of life. Step. I think my wife and I will remember when I was doing crusades, in Nigeria, and uh, I'll get about a hundred thousand, uh, well, a thousand dollars or so, or maybe two thousand dollars, and I'll send the money ahead, and I'm telling them, prepare the field. It costs money to do ministry. Okay, prepare the field. They call me and they tell me, and my wife will ask me, have you bought your ticket? I said, no. You haven't bought a ticket, and you are, pr- you are telling them to prepare? What if you don't get the money for the ticket? Well, I'm stepping out in faith. Amen. The money is going to come. 
And then when I go out, somebody says, come and preach. There was one situation where I went, no money for tickets. Everything was ready. A pastor asked me, uh, uh, good luck, you want us to take the offering at regular time or after you've prayed for the people? I thought to myself, I've been here before. They see one person healed <laughs> and the whole church is at the front with me and nobody's leaving. We get to very late and uh, the, those who were prayed for initially, they begin to leave and I get no offering. That's never good. I remember Angela calling me. How was this service? It was good. And I'll be talking about every people that, everyone that God healed in the service and how it was great. We stayed till about 11 o'clock and Angela asked the final question. How much did you get for offering? And nobody was able to take offering. Everybody left. And Pastor just gave me a few dollars. Uh, so I, I had experience. So I said, I don't, he said, if I take the offering after you prayed with the people, you'll get a good amount. But if I take the offering before we see what God can do through you, you may not get anything. I said, I already learned. Take the offering before I preach. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> take the offering. At least I get something. And guess what? I got the exact amount for my ticket. Exact amount for my ticket. Because God's faithful. All we need to do is obey Him. So the Bible tells us if you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. So there is good in the land. The reason why you are not getting to the good of the land is because first, you are not willing and secondly, you are not obedient. That's why the land has some good. God prepared the land with good in it. It says, if you are willing, Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, not just willing alone, but willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. I remember reading about this pastor. God told him to go preach somewhere, and he was in a comfortable place. And he said to God, you know, I'm very comfortable here. Don't want to go anywhere because they're taking care of me. I got a personage. My salary is good. And this church that you're sending me to, uh, God, is a small church. I don't think they will be able to take care of it. But since you said to go, I'm going to do it. So he went and everything started going down. And one day he was complaining to God. He said, God, you see, I told you before. I told you there was a small church. Now my family is suffering. And you said you're going to take care of me. Now I can't pay my bills. Look, the church not meeting my need. If I had stayed, I'm telling you, God, if I had stayed in that place, I would be doing much better now. And God said to him, yes, you were obedient, but you were not willing. You did what I asked you to do, but you didn't like it. And he said, the preacher said, I got willing in a hurry. <laughs> Inside of me, I adjusted it. I was willing, saying, okay, God, I'm willing now. And the blessings came. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Those two things go together. The blessedness of obedience. You have to be totally willing and then obey. Those that followed Jesus, they left everything. They were willing and then they followed him. And they never went back. Even when things didn't make sense to them, they said, to whom shall we go? They were fully convinced 
they were fully persuaded, no going back. Willing and obedient. That's what God needs from every one of us. That's what pleases Him. That's what connects us with Him when we are willing and obedient. Now, uh, Job chapter 36, verse 11, it says, If they obey and serve God, I'm reading uh, the N, N, uh, that's, uh, NCV version, New uh, Century version. He says, if they obey and serve him, the rest of their lives will be successful. If they obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity. That's King James. The rest of their lives will be successful. If they obey and serve him, the rest of their lives will be successful. And the rest of their years will be happy. They shall spend their days in pleasure. But if they do not listen, if they won't obey, if they do not listen, they will die by the sword. How many they die by the sword? That's signifying battle. How many know we are constantly fighting battles? They are battles of life. Battles of life. They will die by the sword. Doesn't mean somebody is going to come and kill you. But every day we are in a battle. For me, sometimes I get through winning one battle and seven others show up. And I'm wondering where they've been before. We're constantly, you deal with one problem and then another one. But what he's saying, if you are not obedient, you are not going to win your battles. You will be defeated until you're so discouraged, you just just want to give up. But when you are obedient, you spend your days in pleasure. You're happy. But if they do not listen, they will die by the sword. And they will die without... That's the crazy thing about it. It's your disobedience that's causing you problems, but Satan will not allow you to understand that your disobedience that's causing the problem. That's dying without knowledge. You don't know what's killing you, but something is killing you. And you won't even associate it with the disobedience. You never will. Satan will not let you see it. Because he doesn't want you to make that adjustment. It has to be by the grace of God and God speaking to you and letting you know, look, son, and that's favor from God when he reveals to you that this problem is because of this thing so that you can make the adjustment. Satan doesn't want you to ever know that. He'll give you some other reason that makes sense to you. And usually, usually it's a fleshly reason until you are totally wiped out. Sometimes we call that a curse. But when your eyes are open, that the Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Once you discover, then you can make the adjustment. It's just like my preacher. Man, as soon as he realized it was his willingness that was causing the problem, he said, I, I got willing in a hurry. Right there I was willing. Raised up, he said, God, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm happy now. I'm going to stay in this church. This is the best church for me. Amen. But we need to be. The the best thing for every believer is to heed what Mary, the mother of Jesus, said. That's the best thing. If you want God to be at work in your life, protect you, protect your family, and walk with you, hand in hand, is to do what Mary said. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. 
I like to tell that to the Catholics. Mary, mother, you know that. Whatever he tells you, that's whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Do it. And you can see what happened in this particular story. They, 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 were, they ran out of wine. They needed wine. The groom and the bride they, and the family, they were going to be embarrassed by what was happening. And there was nowhere to go. It was late. You couldn't buy, you couldn't buy enough wine to, 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 feed the, I mean, to give to the people and get them satisfied. They were in deep trouble. And Mary went to Jesus and said, look, they don't have wine. And Jesus said, my time is not here. The mother had so much faith. He said, ha, that's okay, son. My, your time is not here. But you're going to do this. Amen? Uh, Jesus moved the hand of the clock. I mean, Mary moved the hand of the clock. That's a woman of faith. Amen? She's always been a woman of faith. We can, through faith, force the hand of God. He says, my time had not come. And he wasn't kidding. But Mary was not going to take that. You're going to do it, son. Amen? I'm not sure if she really understood she was dealing with the almighty God. We think Mary understood everything that probably she didn't. I don't think she knew she was living in the same house. She knew it was Messiah, but I'm not sure if she knew that that was God Almighty. But she, she knew what she had heard from all the angels and, and all of that. This was a special child. She said, you're going to do this. I know you got the power. Amen? But what happened? Jesus said to them, six water pots, about 20 to 30 gallons, the whole 20 to 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said, now, I want you guys, go fetch water. He was clear about what they needed to get. Water. And then they, they obeyed. And, and, and I like those guys. They didn't just get water and fill it. They filled it to the overflow. Okay? They filled it up. They obeyed completely. No question. I'm sure they heard Mary talking about wine. And this guy is talking about fetching water. And then he told them, Now take from the water that you fetched. And give it to the guy that tastes the wine first. Right? You know what most of us will be doing? Shaking. What's going to happen? It's, it's water. And you give, you know it's water. The guy who is tasting it doesn't know. And you understand. Sometimes we are thinking, these guys didn't know what was going on. I'm sure they knew what was going on. But believe me, I will be shaking before all the embarrassment I was going to cause this guy. Yeah, yeah, it's wine. I first water. But I'm giving it to the guy and I'm telling him it's wine. And, the, and, and you stand there, you're watching him taste. And he says, mmm, this, wow. And you're thinking, what? And the guy says, where did you get this wine? And you're thinking, no, sir, it's water. It's water. I just gave you water. But it's been turned into wine. Every time you obey with that question, your water is turned into wine. Tasteless? Full of taste. Every time we obey. No question. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. No question. If Jesus, if God tells you to do something, even if it doesn't make sense to you, don't keep asking, hi, ah, is this water going to turn into wine? That's not your business. Your business is fetch the water and take it to the guy 
who need the wine. We act on what he says. Abraham became a friend of God. You know why? Because of obedience. Instant obedience, no question. Turned his life upside down. Leave your comfort and everything that you're doing and everything that you've known. Follow me to a place that I'm going to show you. I'd like to read that scripture here in Genesis chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. That's everything. Basically, get away from everything that you know. From all of your comfort. Get away. To a land that I will show you. I want you to take note of that word, show you. For a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So I promise. Nothing tangible. Just God speaking to him. Promise. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That was good enough for Abraham. Verse 4. It says, So Abraham did what? He departed. No question. He left everything. And Abraham was so determined about leaving everything just by God speaking to him. He was so determined to cut off from his family and everything and never go back to that world. When he was going to take a wife for his son Isaac, he said, go back, get a wife because we don't have him here. Go back and get but don't move Isaac from this place. He stays here. We're not going back. He stays here. Go get a wife. Bring the wife here. And he almost swore that, that servant. You don't do that. Don't you dare take my son back. God told us to leave. We're not going back. Go and get me a wife, a wife for my son. And if they don't let you have a wife, then you're out of this oath. But don't you dare take Isaac from this place and go back to our former place. We're not going back. See, if anyone puts his hand on the plow and looks back, you are not fit for the kingdom. You got to go all the way. Many of us, we have to make a decision whether we want to really follow God today. People, they, they have this thing with God. It's a half obedience. They don't go all the way. You may think you're getting away with it, but no, he knows what's going on. He knows what's going on. The Bible says, don't deceive yourself. God's not mocked. He knows what's going on. He's his love and patience that is holding us. His goodness that leads to repentance. He knows what's going on. May God help us when we do things like this. And we are playing game with Almighty God. It's a, it's a terrible thing to fall into the hand of the living God. It's a real terrible thing. And the church is, what's going on in the church is crazy. What people who supposedly are Christians are doing, I mean, it's frightening. It's really frightening. Ain't no conscience. It doesn't even bother them anymore. It's like you have been sealed for hell. I mean, it's like Judas. I mean, people don't realize, I mean, among every, when you have 12, there's going to be one Judas. And that man was caught up. And, you know, we forget, we read these scriptures and we're not thinking. You know, Peter prayed, he says, is, 
his position, let another person take. There was a position for him among the twelve. Peter says he was numbered among us. But now he has gone where he is supposed to go. That's what Peter said. So that he'll go where he is supposed to go. And let his position, another person must, must take his position. We have to be very careful about these things. It's, this life is very short. People have forgotten that, you know, that's when I pray, God, please give me grace. I want to serve you all my life. Don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to serve you. I want to serve God. I can't serve God for years and then don't make it. On Sunday, I'm going to be talking about this. A lot of people are deceived. They are really deceived. Judas was chosen. I mean, Jesus prayed all night and chose him. But he went the other way. He was called the son of perdition. You think of all the people in the world, only Judas will fall into that, into that place? No. Everyone who goes back on him will fall into the same place that Judas was in. That's just the truth. Otherwise, God will just say, just Judas alone in the whole universe for, for the entire life of mankind. It's only Judas that's going to suffer that. I don't believe that. I really don't believe that. You better know that Judas was among the twelve that healed a lot of people. Judas healed people in the name of Jesus. He was one of the twelve and one of the seventy that went out preaching the gospel and healing people. He was the one of the seventy that came back rejoicing the demons were subject to us. Please, don't deceive yourself. The Bible says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. People really need to be careful. Paul himself was careful. He said, I don't want to run the race and then and don't make it. And that was Paul. We have to be careful because we are in the last days and people, are don't, they don't, people don't care much about obeying God anymore. They just want to do their own thing. It is a strange thing. I'm going to say this on Sunday when I go into the message. It's like everybody is going to heaven because I'm an American. It's crazy. The guy, he's been staying or stealing and killing people. And then he dies. They have a funeral. And everybody's saying, well, he's at peace now in heaven. What heaven are you talking about? He just killed somebody yesterday and they got, the police killed him. And you're telling me he's in heaven? You're kidding yourself. What heaven is that? That's what they say. The preacher says he's resting in heaven. What heaven? The preacher is a liar. There's no heaven for that. This is strange. I watched the television program and I hear them saying this. You, tell, you hear about all the bad things he's been doing. He's been sleeping around and doing drugs. And the parents say, is heaven What heaven is that? There's no heaven for that kind of a person. I'm sorry. Unless the scripture is not speaking the truth. We're lying to ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. So because he went to church one Sunday, he's in heaven now. That's a joke. It's really frightening. We are truly in the last days. We are truly in the last days. We're truly in the last days. We are truly in the last days. It's got to be a difference. There's got to be a difference. When I was saved, my family knew. All the girls that I knew and everybody, they all knew that something has happened. You didn't have to tell them. You didn't have to tell them. They knew. Sometimes they say you look different because it's just you feel that presence is there with you and you can't go back to those crazy stuff. 
you just cannot do it. But these days it's like, hey, I went to church, you're living. It doesn't make sense to me. And everybody said, we're all going to heaven. It's a joke. You know what it cost God to make that way available to us? I just don't believe in what they are saying. Now, there's got to be a change. There's got to be a heartfelt obedience to what God said and a separation from the world. There's got to be separation from the world. Come out from among them. That's what it says. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Come out from among them and be separate, he says. And I will have you. I will receive you. I will be your father. You're staying among them and wanting God to be your father doesn't work that way. You can't tell God what to do. You didn't die on the cross, you know, so you can't just have your own heaven. But you see, Abraham left immediately. And that's what changed everything for Abraham. He listened to God even though it didn't make sense. And it's an amazing thing when you read the scriptures. It's like God was walking ahead of him and he was following and he could see God's garment. And he says, oh, well, you turn left, so I will turn left now. There was nothing like that. God wasn't in front of Abraham. He just walked, walked around everywhere. He, he just kept going. Some of us will immediately tell ourselves, this is crazy. I must have lost my mind. I'm just walking everywhere. I don't even know where I'm going. But God told him, everywhere the soles of your feet touch, I'll give it to you for an inheritance because of your obedience. So if Abraham thought to go right, God says, that's your property now. If he thought to go left, that's your property now. Because we have to obey. He departed because God told him to. That's why Abraham became a friend of God. Was I see in church, we say, I am a friend of God. I am a friend. What was that song? Uh, you want to sing it, Brianus? Okay, <laughs> I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God, but you're doing crazy stuff. <laughs> God doesn't have friends like that. You have your own dream, friend. God doesn't do stuff like that. How is he? He'd be sitting with you doing all this crazy stuff that you're doing, and he's your friend. That's a joke. It doesn't work that way. You have to live right. We're saying it, we're laughing about it, but this thing is very grave. Because some people are going to spend their days in hell, eternity in hell, with the view that they were going to heaven. What a disappointment. What a disappointment. An eternal disappointment. You know, for me as a young man coming to Christ, I kept thinking, God, please, I don't want to go there. Because I knew there was, you know, I'm thirsty, need water. And, you know, a hundred years is gone by, I'm still thirsty. And there's no water that's going to be given. I said, I, can't. I need you, Jesus, please. Come into my heart. This is the truth. I don't want to go there. I really don't want to go there. And I'm serious about not going there. I will fast and pray so I won't go there. I mean, there's no going there for me. I don't want to go there don't want any of my family members going there. I don't want to go there. It is very important to me. I don't want to go there. I don't know what's happening to people. No fear of God anymore. People just doing whatever they like. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's really, really becoming crazy these days and people accept it. If you practice sin, you are a servant of sin. 
That's what Jesus said. He who sins, that's practicing, you are a slave of sin. And Jesus is not um, the minister of sin. So obedience is what is called for. You can't, he, this is a crazy word, what I'm hearing today. I mean, you're doing something that's wrong. You're living with your girlfriend, and you're not married, and you've been there, and then you die, and you go to heaven. That doesn't make sense. All of those sinners are going to be going to God and saying, look, we did exactly the same thing. How come it's in heaven? By their fruits, you shall know them. By their fruit, you shall know them. If your conscience will let you, please, please give me, I mean, I'm digressing, but this isn't going to probably come back again to it on Sunday. But give me First Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. The, the question is conscience. Conscience. Listen. Having faith, right? Having faith. And a good conscience. Which some having rejected concerning faith and what? They suffered shipwreck. That means they didn't make it. You can act in a way, and then we'll come into that, where your conscience becomes dead and it doesn't bother you anymore. No matter what message is preached, you, you are dead set on doing that thing and you're not going to change. That means almost like Judas, you're finished. You're finished. And God will let you do it. Jesus knew Judas was stealing from him. said nothing. He preached his message to everybody. Sometimes he wants him. He, sometimes he say, didn't I choose all of you and one of you is a devil? Judas knew he was talking to him, but he won't listen. He was set. Conscience dead. Having faith and a good conscience. Faith and a good conscience. When you can continue to disobey God and it doesn't bother you anymore, it's finished. It's finished. My spirit will not always strive with man. So when God, after his one, you read Romans chapter 1. When God's warned you over and over and you won't listen, you want to do, he leaves you to, you can do whatever you want to do. Because that's every area of the Christian life. He'll let you go. The prodigal son, did his father stop him from going? Absolutely not. Did he go after him? No. Did he beg him to come back? No. Just let him go. We have to understand some of these principles. I talk a lot about principles. God's trying to share with us the way he operates. If you go against it, you hurt yourself. And that's what the proverb says. Anyone who sins against God wrongs his own soul. You're hurting yourself. You're not hurting God. You're wronging your own soul. It's better. We're not all perfect. We're not perfect. But when a Christian does something that even if he's their caught, he bothers them. And they want, God help me, I will try, give me help. God knows that. It's a sheep that is strained and God goes after that. But when you get, allow hardness of heart to take over your life in any area, 
that you continue to deliberately disobey when you know you can make a change. You can, but you refuse. God gives you over. He lets you do what you want to do. And you may have maybe another 20 years, nothing's happened, and then all of a sudden, there is the blessedness of obedience. God told Isaac the same with uh, with Abraham. He says, I don't want you. Genesis 26. Don't leave this land. Remember that? Don't leave this land. Stay here. And I will bless you. And he stayed and, 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 and planted. It was farming, farming time. They had a farming. But he stayed and obeyed God. He planted. His mind was, go to Egypt. That's where my father went. And God blessed him. So, well, my father went to Egypt. And I get blessed. So I'm going to go to Egypt. And God said, no, don't do that. Stay right here. Stay right here. Didn't make sense. God, you know, it was Egypt that my father went. No, you stay here. And so, and he stayed. And God blessed him. And the man began to prosper. And the Bible says he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. So that's the thing. You just obey God. When you obey God, you become his friend. Especially when it's an instant obedience. God loves that. He said to the guy who was blind. Remember the guy that was born blind? He put spit on his eyes. I believe, you know, I really firmly believe that the guy was born with, uh, with no opening for his eyes. Because you can't take dust <laughs> and put it inside somebody's eyes. I believe there was just plain skin, no opening. You know why I believe that? Because when the man came, they couldn't recognize him. Do you remember? They said, he's not the one who sits and begs. They said, no, he just looks like him. Well, if he was the same guy with his eyes, how would you be confused about how he looked? His eyes just got open. But he looked different. Because they were just plain skin. And Jesus was demonstrating how he created us. Amen? So he spat on the ground and made clay. Remember that? And rubbed it on his eyes. And said, now, you go to the pool of Siloam. You clean yourself, take a bath a little bit and come back. And he said, immediately the guy went. No question asked. He knew this was Messiah. I'm sure he's been hearing. This was Jesus. He never asked questions. Are you Jesus? No. He could tell this was different. And he went. And then he came back. He washed and came back saying, you know how many things will be going through his mind? You've been in that river before, <laughs> that lake. Nothing happened. Why is this going to be different? Kept going. Step after step. Amen? People saying, What's go- where are you going? I'm going to, can you show me where the lake is? Jesus said to go there. Okay. I will take her up here. But he came back saying, no question. And when they are saying, is this the man? He says, hey, I am the one. How did your, how, how did your eyes get open? simple. He put clay on my eyes and I washed. That was the same. Simple. Put clay on my eyes and I washed. Because he told me to. That's all that brought that great miracle. Instant obedience. No question asked. He put clay on my eyes and I washed. So I can see him. It's all different. When you obey God, to become a friend. Jesus says this. Friendship with God. John 15 verse 14, 15. 
It says, you are my friends. If you do whatever, I commend you. You are my friend. You know what it means to be a friend of God? That's, that's huge. You are my friend if you do whatever I tell you. Whatever means I may tell you things that don't make sense to you. And you still have to do it. If you want to be my friend. Amen? If you want to be my friend, you do things that don't make sense. But you listen. These days I try. If I hear it in my head. I don't second guess. I don't know if it's God. I don't, I'm not going to come and say the Lord said. I don't do that. But if I feel like this is coming from God, I'll, I'll just obey. I'll go do it and see what God does with it. If I made a mistake, <laughs> that's just my mistake. But I will not go without listening to that voice that speaks in my head. My sheep know my voice. The Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Okay? So, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. But these guys have already done that. Whatever he told them. So he told them, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. That's key. Because when you become a friend of God, he tells you secrets. He tells you secrets. You remember before God dis- destroyed Sodom? He couldn't do it without telling his friend. Remember that? God couldn't destroy Sodom without telling Abraham. He had to go talk to his friend about this first. Because if you are a friend of God, he won't do anything without telling his friend. That's the same thing with the prophets. He says God doesn't do anything without telling his servants the prophets. He won't do anything. He has to tell them first. So you get into God's secret if you obey him. That's your access into friendship with God. Disobedience is your access out of friendship with God. But obedience is your access to friendship with God. And then God begins to tell you secrets that nobody else knows. God had to tell Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And see what his friend had to say about it. Why did God, how did Abraham become such a good good friend? He obeyed. He did what God told him to come out. He he went out. No questions asked. But most people don't want to do that. And they still want to be a friend of God. It doesn't work that way. God has his ways. And he's not going to change his ways for anybody. Not for a pastor, not for a priest, not for a pope. He, he, He has his ways. You got to follow his way. And, and uh, that's the only way to go. He says, you are my friend. No longer do I call you servant. That means they were servants before, right? Until they were in obedience. No longer do I call you servants. Meaning, I was calling you servants before. But that's changed now. Because you obeyed me. You did what I asked. Because a servant doesn't know since I've decided I'm not going to keep anything from you, that relationship of servant and master, that's ended. We're now friends. I'll tell you everything. That's what God was saying to about Moses. I talked to Moses face to face, like a friend. It's a major difference. What causes that? Obedience. Obedience. Just doing what God says. Whenever a person is in a situation... And you know God has spoken to you. This is wrong. Why don't you get off and, and come out? 
you consider it's going to be really bad. This person is going to be offended. This person, how am I going to do this? And you tell yourself, I don't care what they think. I'm going. I'm doing what God says. Watch out. From that point on, God deposits something in you that stays with you for the rest of your life. Just because of that faith of stepping out. That's how Abraham got it. One step of faith, living, that sealed it for God. And God worked with him, not only him, but his children. And his children's children, even up to this very day. Because of that one day that he stepped out. It's an amazing thing what this will do. It's eternal. It doesn't end. With God, everything he does is eternal. You can destroy it like Adam by becoming disobedient. But if you stay there, God stays with you, stays with your family, stays with you till the very end. That's the God we serve. No longer will I call you servants. A servant doesn't know what his master is doing. Meaning I, I, if I decide to serve God, I have a right to know what God's doing. Amen? I can ask him, what are you doing? Can you tell me what you're doing? What's, what's the meaning of this? Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm his child. Amen? I can ask him questions. He says, I, I call you my friends. You are my friends. For all things I've heard from my father, I've made them known to you. And God will do that for us. John 15, and I'm going to close with this. Uh, 9 through 11. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. In other words, take your place. Make your home in my love. Make my home in in my love. And then it tells us, if you keep In other words, if you do what I say, you will make your home in my love. So if you don't do what he says, even though you go to church, you have not made your home in his love. You haven't. You're passing through. That's what it is. You'll make your, your home in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commandment, And I made my home in his love. These things I have spoken to you, he says, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Basically, I want to give you, I want to let you into this secret. You want full joy? You want to abide in my love? Do this. Love has his work. Love, I can't go into that tonight, but I'll tell you, when God sends love into your heart, that love of God has a work to do in you. And obedience is what gets it to the place where that work is complete. God has his work in you. Um... I don't know where I take go on, but this is so important. So preachers say, this is the last scripture. No, I'm going back again. <laughs> finally, and another finally. But let me say this. <laughs> but if someone obeys God's teachings, then in that person, God's love has truly reached his goal. That's First John 2, verse 4 and 5. 
you can read it. God's love has truly reached its goal. In other words, God's love has a goal in your life. You can abide in that love when you obey. Then the goal of love, which is God is love, right? So God, God in your life has a goal. And when you obey, that goal is reached. And remember, if God has a plan for you, it is a good plan. And it's fulfilled when we obey. Stand up with me tonight. Oh boy. I really went overboard with time. <laughs> but I'm glad nobody complained. Huh? 